All right, so a couple of fun facts. We're going to shift into something fun here. A couple of fun facts. Uh, it's 22 days until Halloween. I know, right? I couldn't believe my neighbors put up stuff on their lawn. I'm like, why are you putting stuff up on the lawn? Because <laughs> it's 22 days till Halloween. Um, it's six and a half weeks until Thanksgiving. Ten more midweeks are left in this year. I know, right? So now we're getting to the wow. <laughs> and 11 weeks left until Christmas. So we know this because every time we get to this time of year, we go, it goes by so fast. It goes by so fast. And so every time we want to press pause and go, hey, let's see how we can do this well. Let's see how we can get through this season, connected with God, connected with other people, happy, joyful, not overspending, not overdoing a lot of things, but really walking through this season with God. And so that's what we wanted to talk about tonight, is just remembering how we can do this season well. And I love how God does creation, because if you look at creation, everything is starting to slow down. The leaves change, the leaves are dying, things are falling off. Animals are hibernating because God says this is a time that you kind of hide, not hide, but the animals hide, but this is a time where he wants to renew and restore creation. We would do well to kind of follow that pattern. And that's what we always try to do is to remind people like you need to slow. And there's so many amazing things happening, but sometimes there's so many good things happening. It kind of makes us get on this kind of crazy choo-choo train. And then we're, we're just running, running, running without really absorbing what this season really is. Um, and, you know, I always say this as well. It's a time to give thanks. Because if you are in a place of being able to give thanks for whatever is going on, if you are able to be in a place of gratitude, then your heart is soft. Many years ago, not many years ago, but several years ago when I started reading the Ann Voskamp, you know, a, a thousand gifts, that every day I, I was going through my journals the other day and I have a journal where every day I wrote, I wrote down something, something that was good that I was thankful for. It was up, well, I don't know, two, 3,000 entries that I had. And I was like, thank you God for reminding me of that. And when I'm not well, I've, I've started living in a place of expectation, which means God, you owe me something, you owe me this conversation, you owe me this situation, you owe me something. God, whatever you give, it's good. Am I going to learn from it? Am I going to stretch from it? Am I going to grow from it? Is it hard? Yeah, sometimes stuff is just hard because God's like, you know, to get to me, we got to work on all this stuff here so that you can get to me. You know, Job 37 and verse 14, um, one of Job's friends says, pay attention to this, Job. Stop and consider the wonders. Psalm 116, verses 1 and through, 1 through 2, it says, I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my prayer for mercy. Because he, what, he bends down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. In this season, please take time to pause and go, God, what were the wonders that you've done? We can barely remember what we did a month ago, even yesterday, versus all the things that God has done this year. Versus all the things that he's done even today, because we're so busy moving on. But if you can take time to go, God, what are the wonders that you've done? Are you closer to God? Do you know? What are your answered prayers? The idea of God bending down to you. You know, when we talk to little kids, what if the, if the kid is really short, which most of them are because they're kids, right? So if the child is very small, what do we do? We always, we get on their level, why? So they can see us and we can see them and they can know that we are 100% with them. If you can think about this picture of God saying, I'm going to bend down. The creator says, I'm going to bend down to make sure that I hear all that you say. I want to give you all those things that you're, that you're talking about. You know, I, I love the idea too. I've been thinking about this woman 
Corey Tinboom, and I've got, let me see, I've got, I only have one slide, you know, <laughs> so, you know, that's just how I roll. It's just one slide. It's all I can do. It's, that's all I need, because <laughs> Tracy and I are going to kind of pick this, we're going to pick this apart tonight, but this idea, I've been thinking about this woman, Corey Tinboom, Tinboom, which I know a lot of you guys already know her story, but she was a Dutch woman. Um, that was a, um, a watchmaker, and along with her family at the beginning of World War II, they started, they're a Christian family, but they started hiding Jews in their home. In the closet, there's movies and there's books and all these different things. So they started hiding Jews in their home until someone turned them in, and then they went to the concentration camp, and their their, she and her family were, were in the concentration camps. Her father died, her sister died, they were there for about 10 months. Uh, and so during this time, she's still trying to minister to people. And one of the things her sister Betsy said right before she died, she says, there is not, there is not a pit so deep that God is not deeper still. So both of them are in the concentration camp. And this is right before her sister died. She says, there is not a pit so deep that God is not deeper still. Fifteen days later, Corey was released. After that... She was released to, due to a clerical error. After she was released, all the women in the concentration camp that were her age were sent to the, ga to the gas chambers and died. So God took her out. She lived to be 91 years old, died on her birthday. Look at that. Because when I looked, I'm like, what, is that a typo? Nope, that's, she died on her birthday. She was 91 years old. So when I think about this, when you think, you've heard this quote before, but she says, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. If you look at God, you'll be at rest. And when I think about her life, I'm like, does she have things she was distressed about? Did she have things she was depressed about? But she says, if you look at God, you'll find rest. So when you think about the two things I'm going to talk about, being distressed and being depressed. <laughs> you know, and I think in our time, you know, we in the world that we live in now, it's very distressing. Anybody feel distressed? Like if they watch the news, or they look up on their feet, or they just walk around, do you, feel, do you feel the distress of the world? What do you feel distressed about? I just ask for a couple of, what do you feel distressed about? Anyone? Hate, Kim? The anger, anyone else? Division, anyone else? Women being mistreated. Anyone else? Back. Confusion, Raven? A lot of students being abused, is that what you said? And having hard situations. So I really don't watch a lot of TV anymore. <laughs> if you talk to my family, I watch shows that are 20 years old. That's my happy place. Because I'm like, 20 years ago, I already know how it's going to end. It's good. I can skip. I don't watch the bad stuff. I just move on. But watching current stuff, watching the news, it's heartbreaking. My heart hurts so much. And I don't remember a time in my life where my heart hurt watching stuff. I don't, I don't watch it because it, it's disturbing. I, I read it because I need to know what's going on. But, you know, I, I think when you think about the di being distressed, it's the macro level and the micro level. The world, the politics, the racial stuff, the division, the hatred, the anger. You're, you know, I love when, when uh, Tracy was, uh, the, the song, This Is My Father's World, that what's the thing, though it's often strong or something, I, you know, I'm misquoting it. But whatever it is, God's bigger than it all. But, but we forget that because all you have is all this incoming. And, you know, Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun, right? But it's new to us because it's our first time on the planet. So it feels like, 
oh my gosh, I have never seen anything like this. What am I going to do? How am I going to navigate that? How am I going to pray through that? There is, the United States is a, is a very small portion of the 7.6 billion people on the planet. But we live as if we are the only people on the planet because that's where God has us. But I could go to any place in the world and there's sorrow and there's hatred and there's pain. So you have the macro of it all and it causes you this, this inner turmoil so you wake up with anxiety and you go to bed with anxiety. And then you wonder why you're feeling sad and mad. And then you say, like, how, how am I going to navigate this? Then you've got the micro stuff that you feel distressed, distressed about the stuff that's just going on in your little world, right? You have home, you have work, you have your children, you have your coworkers, you have relationships, you have your small group, you have new seasons, everything is changing. So all those things, you feel that distress. There's 600 souls in this church, over 600 souls in this church. There's a lot of distress. I'm just saying there's a lot of stress. As people are navigating things and we are growing older and there's health stuff and conversations and all these different things. And so it's all of this distress. But if you look out, there's no hope for that, right? You know, I love this passage in 1 Chronicles 12 and verse 32. It says, from Issachar, men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do, 200 chiefs with all their relatives under their command. You know, I'm not God. And I, we're not God, right? I'm not God. I don't know how it's all going to work out. But I'm telling you, there is a scheme running around in this world right now. And as you look out and you feel this, all of this stuff, Matthew 4 and verse 16, it says, The people living in darkness have seen a great light. Of those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Look around this room. We forget sometimes when we walk in that we are the hope. That God says, I've called you out of the darkness into the light. You wake up and you feel this. But what do people feel when they don't have hope? I, I was reading an article today. You, you're just scrolling through and, and some poor gal broke up with her boyfriend and hung herself. Hung herself. She was 29 years old. Huh. Are people feeling distressed? You walk in and you think about the hatred and the division, the anger, and all this nastiness that's out there, and it's nasty. You walk in here and you see someone like you. That's not a mistake. If your skin is light, you see someone light. If your skin is medium, dark, whatever color, you see someone like you. Most of you have people that speak the same language that you do, even if it's not your first language. God says, this is the light. This is the light. And when you think about the distress, you're like, God, I need to be the light. We talk about this all the time. We're asking people to remember what you felt like when you felt this level of distress. And you felt like, I don't know where to go. I don't have friends. I don't have hope. What am I going to do? And when you meet people and they come to church and they're so excited, sometimes we get a little jaded with that. We go, yeah, that's kind of cool. And you're like, oh, you have forgotten the miracle. You have forgotten the miracle of what it was like when you walked in and you had a place here. You had a place. And in this season, as people are going through things, and they, they're reading the same things as we are and feeling that, we offer them hope. You know, you have to ask yourself, what, is, what are you distressed about? You know, the other thing about it says you, you, look, you look within and you'll be what? Depressed. Depressed. 
So you wake up and you see all this stuff and you, you go through your Facebook and you do all these different things and then you're depressed. And then you look at yourself. Go, read in your, go uh, in your Bibles to Galatians 5 and verse 17. Because every day as we are navigating these things about how am I going to live in this world, I've got to follow God and navigate my flesh. Galatians 5 and verse 17. Uh, in verse 16, it says, So I say, live by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. So you look out, and you see all the stuff in the world. And you go, okay, well, I, let me just work through my stuff okay today. Well, all right. So I, I was well most of the day, and then I, I fell off. And then I got back on, and I was following God, and then I wasn't. Every day there's this war, right? Every day there's this war. Am I going to follow God the whole day, or am I going to follow myself the whole day? So that's where the depression can come in. Let's go to Matthew chapter 14. You know, and I think these seasons of life, of late, I've been, you know, if you've been tracking with me this summer, you know I keep sharing about these things. Um, but the storms, the storms... Matthew uh, 14, verses 27 through 30. You know, we know the story of Peter walking on the water. And it says in verse 25, it says, During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus cried, said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter said, tell me to come on the water. He said, come. You know, when we become Christians, Jesus says, Come. And we go, okay, I'm coming. I'm walking on this water. And it's amazing when you start changing. And it's amazing when you start understanding. It's amazing when you start having friendships. It's amazing when you start seeing your character change. And you don't you lose your temper for that first time. And you don't swear at someone for that first time. And you don't cut someone off on the 405. Or if they cut you off, you don't curse at them, right? It's a, it's a big deal. It's a big deal to love and like people that are different than you. It's a big deal to make room in your heart and your space for other people. And so Jesus says, come and you go, I'm coming. I've never been on this water before, but I am absolutely coming. Let's go. And then you start living some life. And then Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water and he came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, why do you doubt? You know, when we are... In the storms of life, it is so easy to take our eyes off Jesus. It is so easy. You have the storms of your changing and the relationships, all those things we talked about before. And you're just living your life going along with other people. And then you look out and you see all the stuff and you look in and you go, oh, it's just me. It's just me. How am I going to do anything? God, I feel like I'm the weakest of the weak. I feel like I don't understand. And God's like, whatever it is through the storm, keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes on me. That's the biggest challenge. And the busyness of everything is keeping your eyes on him. So Tracy's going to come now, and she's going to talk about all the stuff that I forgot. And then, <laughs> and the last one. So there you go. Bye. Actually, I'm so, I'm so happy because she gave me the good news part. You know what I mean? Like she had to do all the, the bad news part, and I get to do the good news part. Um, but I am very excited to um, just be able to 
share with you uh, some practices that help me. Because you can say, I don't want to be looking at the world. I don't want to be looking at my insides all the time. I want to be looking at God. I want to be looking at Jesus. But how do I do that? You know, what are the practices that you can have to actually make a shift in that direction? And I will say that one thing that, I'm going to give you some things that help me, and you can just grab onto things that help you. So, um, but I will say a mindset to avoid is that you're going to become a monk by tomorrow. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you have, we can have these big aspirations about the things we're going to change. And then, you know, you, you, you bite off this huge thing that you're going to do. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to get up every day at 5 a.m. And I'm going to be doing, and you know, really, maybe you just need to start 10 minutes earlier than normal. Does that make sense? <laughs> like, Let's just remember, I'm going to tell you a lot of stuff, okay? You might want to take away one of them, just saying. Okay. Um, I thought, how do I even say, um, how do I even share this? And I thought, well, the first thing I thought I would do is just say, how do I avoid these two things right here? So I would say to get my mind not distressed at all the things that you see, one thing is, I only, um, I'm on social media less than 15 minutes a day. That's, a, that's an Isis Kangas trick. I'm on social media no more than 15 minutes, and some, non, some days just not at all. And um, when I go on, <laughs> this is crazy, I go, I, I only have three places I go, Simply Holy, uh, way, way down, and uh, the sharing point. But it is crazy that on the way to the group, you know, you're like, you see a post, like, you know, like, love. But here's what I've noticed, is that if I start doing that, all of a sudden I see a post and I'm angry. Like, and I wasn't, I wasn't before. It's, it's a mood altering substance, people. And I went, I go, that's really not good for me. Um, I can't handle it, that's just for me. I cannot handle it. Um, there's too many negative, uh, there's a lot of hate, um, and even sometimes it's hard to avoid it because your family members are on there and you're trying to be, you know, like, I know they want pictures of the kids and blah, 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 you know, but then you're reading a lot of, I, I am reading a lot of hate, and it's just hard to navigate, so I don't do it very much. And um, so sometimes every once in a while, some of you all like, like something, and then I don't do anything for like a year, and then I like something else, <laughs> you know, because you just happen to be the one on the way to Simply Holy or something, okay. Um, I also don't watch, uh, there's definitely no incessant uh, news, um, and I would never, and I never start my day with anything from the world coming in. Like the only thing that's allowed in my ears until well into the morning is God. <laughs> that's it. I would never turn on a radio. In fact, my neighbor has a radio that's super loud in the morning. Like, you know, he's just out there doing his thing and get ready. And the sound of it makes my stomach churn. Like, just the sound of the, the way that they're talking. Um, and definitely, I would never. And I, when I'm walking in the morning on my prayer walk, I'll walk by people's houses, and there's these big screen TVs with the morning, you know, news on. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, I, would, I can't even have the little, you know, thing in my ear from my neighbor. I'm not, definitely not on the big screen. I just don't. Um, that might be something that helps you, nothing going in except for God. Um, I am not, I just want to make it clear, I am not unconcerned and uninformed about the state of the world. Just for the record. I am not unconcerned. 
Here is my tactic for the state of the world. I go and invite as many people as I can to come to church. I adopt, I adopted. I feed the homeless in my area. And that is how I'm concerned for the world. I believe that, you, that most of our problems are spiritual problems. And when I am inviting someone to church, that's me being socially conscious. <laughs> that is me being involved. That is, honestly, I am very thought out. I have calculated my approach and it is, I am only going to do those things. I'm going to change the world one person at a time. So just because I don't post on Facebook does not mean I am unconcerned about the world. Just saying. Um, I, let's see, what do I say? I don't engage in discussions that lead me to, to um, be despondent about our country or the world. I just, when I feel the conversation going that way, I bring it, I have to bring it back. Most of these things are spiritual problems that the governments are trying to fix anyway. You know, I've learned a lot by being in the adoption community. This is a spiritual problem. <laughs> this isn't a fixable problem from a worldly's point of view, and that's why they can't do it. I still am trying to help, but it's a spiritual problem. And if I, I just try to keep myself out of those conversations, um, and then Oh, also, I have noticed that social media brings with it a demon of jealousy, um, even the FOMO, you know, like, you, it, it does that almost unwittingly, uh, kind of like, like, what are they, they're doing, they're having so much fun over there, and they're totally not, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I was left out all at the same time, you know, first of all, how dare you have fun without me? Um, but I, and then the people, in, and the kids, and the, and the glory, and the praise, and then you're like, and my kids, you know, biggest thing is they didn't pick their nose today, and I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like, you can do that compare, it just gets really out of control for me, so I just feel like there's a demon in there. Um, and then with depression, um, now I'm not definitely not a foreigner to depression, and I am definitely not uh, uninformed about recovery and how much it takes to actually deal with your heart, your addictions, your stuff. Um, but I will say that I have set times in my life to delve deeply into those things. Those times are set for me. I've already set them aside. And so um, I don't have the luxury of delving into that every day because I have to raise little people. So, and I just can't, I, I can't do that. So my quiet times in the morning have to be about God recreating me for that day. But then I have times on the weekend where I can delve deeper into the hurts and the pains in my heart. Now, I work through my emotions every single day you, anybody that knows me knows I do that, um, even with my dolls in hand, just saying. Um, but I will, um, I make sure that I do it a psalm way, if you know what I'm talking about, like the psalmist did it, like, God, this is all the things I'm feeling. But in the end, you are good, and I will trust you. I always end there, and that is an end to delving in, and I've always felt like we focus in, in so much as it helps us to move forward, and you should look for that fruit. 
you should look for the fruit that it's producing um, if, if you're having to delve in pretty, pretty deep. Um, okay, so anyway, those are my specific things about that. And then um, I was saying, but specifically, how do I look to Jesus like in everyday life. Okay, so I was thinking, okay, well, I wrote down morning, noon, and night. You remember that song? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus in the morning, Jesus at the noontime. Come on. Jesus, 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 and the sun goes down, right? Okay, well, that totally is me. Okay, <laughs> okay, so, and I, my favorite time to be with God is when he wakes me up in the morning, and I encourage everybody to get into that practice of learning how to let God wake you up and letting him invite you into time with him that is not legalistic or bound by duty. But it's because the moon was full and it woke you up and so you went to be with God. Or something, you know, the cat dropped, you know, did something and woke you up and God is waking you up because he wants to spend time with you. And it is a, an intimacy it's that still voice, the voice in the still of the night. Um, anyway, that's my favorite time is just to start with God in the morning. And um, I think that one of the practices that I do to get back to this being at rest is that I, um, I often picture the garden. You know, God's original intent for us was the garden. That was it. He wanted that beautiful place for us to live. He wanted us to be able to live in that way. And that place is coming again. And I, I look to that and I go, that's real life. Okay, the real life. See, everybody thinks that your job and all that, school and your kids and getting into college, and all, that's real life. No, no, no. This is real life. The garden of Eden is real life. Heaven is real life. Eternity is my reality. And I have to reset my mind on eternity in the morning. And I picture that. And it puts me at rest, honestly. Even in, that, even in this is my father's world, it, world, he says, I rest me in the thought that God made all this. It's a resting that our soul needs because our soul needs to find its place in creation every day. So I, I just sort of do that. Um, and then I have um, these times that have really helped me lately, and they're called um, uh, It Is Good Times. And what I do is, okay, this is what I, so this is my experience. I don't know if this, if you guys really this. So you get up and you do what you're doing and you're going for God and woohoo, it's going good. And then it's like lunchtime. <laughs> and then, wow, if you haven't started to wane before then, it's always bad news if it starts to go down around nine. Like, you're like, oh dear, oh dear, where are we going? Let me off. Okay, but you know, you can get to that middle time and you're like, whoa, okay. And then sometimes it can go into like two, three, four, five. I don't know. You have your own life to live, you know, you know. Uh, but I get to a point where I have become negative. I don't know about you, but I might become negative in the midst of that. So, what I've taught myself to do is similar to God, how after the, at the end of each day, he looked back at what he created and he said, it is good. So I thought, okay, this is what I'm gonna do. Whenever I start to feel like that, I'm just gonna stop. And yes, I do have things going on, I have things to do, but I stop. And I go, I'm just gonna go take time with God and I'm gonna write down all the good that's happened today. Every single thing that's happened, I just write it down. You would be amazed. 
I have one from noon today. I thought it, I thought it was such a it was such a hard, terrible day, and uh, but then I got away with God for just a few minutes, fifteen, fifteen minutes, and um, actually it was ten. It says it right here. Thank you for those ten minutes <laughs> to reconnect with you. Thank you for. Um, I, had an, I had this ultrasound this morning, the walk with Jay, the rhetoric lesson, the Spanish, the whining talk I had with my kids, the school clarity, the lessons of geography, the Bible and memory, um, the nap, my lunch. I mean, I went through all that, and it was like, it's like God goes, yeah, it's like he's reminding you. It really was good, wasn't it? Come on, it was good. It was good. You can, you're okay. And that's, I feel like I have to do that with my kids sometimes. Come on, guys. It's not that bad. We've only been doing school for a couple hours. It's okay. You know. Anyway, I feel like God does that to me, and it can happen any time of the day. So you can just take that practice. You can take 15 minutes at lunch. Or you can take 15 minutes at your um, at a break. Or if God gives you more, amen. I, have, I just am so refreshed by those times. It refocuses me on God. It really is that I live to worship him. That song, I've loved that song forever. To worship him, I live. That is why I exist. I exist to worship God, and I need to keep that connection with him all the time. She was talking about Peter walking on water, and I have this vision that, honestly, I need to see God like that. Like, I, I, I picture Peter looking at Jesus and doing great. It's like when Jonathan was little and he played soccer, but he didn't realize he was supposed to be playing soccer because all the time he would just run and look at me. <laughs> he just like wanted to make sure I was watching him. <laughs> I was like, I don't think we're going to be soccer people. But um, it was so awesome because he just wanted to keep his eyes on me, you know. And I picture Peter keeping his eyes on Jesus, you know, the whole time. And um, I picture that all day. And so when I'm when I'm looking out at when I'm looking at my kids, I picture Jesus behind them, so I treat them better. And I picture people in conversations. I picture Jesus, and I. But that connection does get lost. I do break it, but then I, my goal is to get it back, and that's what those times during the day do for me. And then at the end of the day, um, it's on my knees, on my knees, on my knees, and um, I do. I love what 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 Trey said about practicing. You know, we're practicing for heaven right now. And if we don't, you know, if it's not like if you don't love the things of God now, if you don't love his authority, you're not going to all of a sudden love it in heaven. You're not. You need to practice falling in love with the things of God. I love to obey God. I love it. I want, I want him. I want to hear those words, well done. I, I, I long to hear those words like a son longs to hear it from this father that you've done well, son. I long for those words. I want it. We have to fall in love with the things of God and practice them. That's what earth is, is practice. Practice them now so that you'll be good at it <laughs> in heaven. Um, okay, so I get on my knees and then I started this thing lately. Okay, so I have this thing. I don't know if anybody else has it, but like, you know when you're like totally exhausted? I mean, beyond being able to speak, just, and the eyes, and then you walk in. I, I have, this is my Thursdays. Usually, I don't know, it's like Thursday night, and I walk in, and I, to, I do a lot of teaching on Thursday. It's a long um, teaching day, and then I walk in the house, and um, 
my kids are always, you know, they're always asking, what are we going to do? What are you going to have? I can't even understand the words that are coming out of their mouth. You know, I'm just zombied out. And then they're like, can we watch something? We yep. That's <laughs> just it. Yep. And then I sit down on the couch and I just like, you know, when you're too tired, you can't even eat. You can't do it. You're just so tired. Well, I have always felt the need to anesthetize that feeling. As long as I can remember, I've always felt like, I, like something's wrong. I shouldn't be feeling this. Now, I think what we're supposed to do is sleep. <laughs> Something tells me, right? Oh, not me. Not me. I'm either going to, and it, you know, before it was I'm going to get high or... I'm gonna drink, drink a little something, or I'm gonna, I mean, you know, maybe sex or some masturbation, or some, watch, look at, look at Netflix. You know, and then it turns into Netflix and food. Food will make you feel better. Hello, because you're tired. Hang on. Um, and I've just, as long as I can remember, I've felt the need to anesthetize that feeling. And lately, um, I just. <laughs> this sounds so stupid. You know when you think about you're going to say something and you think it's going to sound great and then you start saying it and you're like, wow, this does not sound like this is going to be so embarrassing. But this is what I do. So I lay down in my bed and I talk to God instead. So I just lay there with him and I just go back through. I just say, thank you that I'm alive. Thank you that I made it to this bed. Thank you that I'm laying here with you. Thank you that um, I made it through the day. Show me if there's any offensive way in me. And I just lay there and I say, is there anything I should have done differently today? And then God tells me what I should, what, no, that conversation, you were so harsh. Why are you so, why are you so harsh, Tracy? You're so harsh. I know. Let's lay there. I know. Everybody says it. <laughs> but I'm talking to God about it, you know. But I just talking to God about it, you know, and, and he puts me to bed. And it reminds me when you're kids and you want your mom to put you to bed. You know, Brooklyn just wants to say, we just rubbed my legs. <laughs> of course, I'm so tired, I'm like, <laughs> go to sleep, little creep. Okay, but I, I, it's like, you know, I'm going to my dad. Will you, will you put me to sleep? Will you tuck me in? Can I lay here with you? Can I talk to you? And I'm telling you, he won me. That's how he won me. And oftentimes he will tell me something. I didn't like the way that you did that or that. You know, that's not, you're not, that's not good. You need to change that. In the morning, I'll change it. I don't get up and change it then. I'm sorry. Maybe that's another level. The monk. Remember, I can't be a monk in one day. At least I'm talking about it. Okay. Um, let's see. What else do I have here? I can, I'm, I, my, the light is bothering me. It says bedtime, see if there's any offensive way covered. Um, okay, this, okay. Another way that you can feel really close to God, and this may sound strange, is, is by repenting. It is the quickest way to feel close to God. To get the sin away that's keeping you separated from him. Sometimes we wonder, I don't feel close to God, I don't feel close to God. I know you're in sin. Okay, can we just start with the obvious one? Just start with that. Now, there's other times where you're not, 
And you don't, you know, you don't feel God's presence because maybe he's behind a cloud, the sun, you know. Okay. But sometimes it's just flat out like, well, you know, stop doing that. And you will automatically feel closer to God because repentance is a change of your mind. And when you change your mind, you open it up to be able to focus on the spirit where there is life, come on, and peace. Life and peace. Life and peace, right? Life in the spirit. But you have to change your mind. And when you have this thing where you are going to be connected to God all day, I make it my goal to stay connected to him all day, all the way into the night. You will notice many things that you need to repent of. You will notice many things. And if you are not noticing things, you, I, I'm wondering if you've become dull, spiritually dull. Um, because I think that when you're really, really trying, then you see how many times you're failing, and not to send you into self-pity, but to send you into repentance. You know, there are two paths. And when you see yourself doing something wrong, you can choose which one you go down. Um, so anyway, uh, that helps me it just to continuously repent. Um, I've been apologizing every single day. Um, I have right now my, okay, well, I'm, I'll save that for a second. Um, I think that it was interesting the way uh, Trey was talking about how God makes these seasons, right? And the seasons reflect sort of what he wants us to do spiritually. And it is interesting that um, this time of year, the fall, in his calendar, is a time of repentance and reflection. It is. It's introspection. It's the holiest day of the year. It is going in and saying, is there anything else in me that you, need, you want me to get rid of? Right? And so that practice right there is intended to keep us from becoming dull because actually the Bible does say that the love of most will grow cold. It's definitely a danger. Definitely. And we definitely get anesthetized. We definitely get numb to our own stuff, right? It, it happens to all of us. So it's so great to be able to take the fall and just really go, okay, God, how do you want me to take it deeper? And um, I do want to encourage you, like, the holiday season really is the best season to repent. I, I'm, I've just become so convinced of this. It's such a beautiful thing because while the rest of the world is going further down, you're going up and you're getting closer to God. Each one of those holy days, that holy season makes you more holy. And you're getting closer to God every year. And this is how, as you grow older, you don't grow dull. You grow more and more in love with God and more, and more obedient to him. And I think uh, it's a time for all of us to be able to think, okay, God, what is it this year you're taking me deeper? We're getting ready to go into 2019, honestly. 2019, guys. Really, how do you want to end 2018? We can do it. You can end better than you started. And I, um, you know, last year during this time, I said first, you know, several years ago, I started Simply Holy Holiday because I was just afraid that I wouldn't be able to continuously repent during the holidays. I was afraid. And it was all about 
you know, weight and all of that, you know. But, you know, it's interesting because God has really grown me through that to be, it's, it's way more about just getting close to him in any way. Um, you know, every year it's something different. And last year I found myself in this point of, like, God, I don't think you're pleased with us the way that, I don't think we're good stewards. And not just of money, yes, money, but how we take care of our house, how we take care of this stuff. I just felt like we had so much stuff that we never, that we wouldn't even take care of it. And uh, so, I don't know, it just got to this feverish pitch and I felt like God was saying, you gotta, you, you need to repent of all this stuff. You gotta get rid of this stuff and I don't, it's a long story, but honestly, I just started that in October and I went through every single room in my house, got rid of all of this stuff all the way through the season and it was a mental thing. It was a visual image of getting rid of sin getting rid of the sin that's been entangling me and the stuff that's been holding us back. And that was last year. And it was amazing. By January, we had actually sold this big property and we're in a completely, I have to tell you, we're in a completely different place. And it's because of that. But this year, I mean, it's clear. I am resolved. I am resolved to get resolved with anybody and everybody anywhere. I think I've already talked to, I think it's 25 people on my list. <laughs> Some of you are like, yep, <laughs> 25 people. I'm like, I don't care if I have to talk to 600 people. I don't care. You come see me. I'm, I'm, I'm going to come see you anyway, so you could come see me if you want. You can come be the, on the front end. You can be the one coming to me. But I'm like, that's it. I'm, I'm going to be resolved with every every person that's living on the planet at the time <laughs> that I can be resolved with, I'm going to be resolved with. I'm, I'm excited about that. You know, God has taught me so much through this season. I'm, I, I, my goal, that's what I was going to say before, is, you know, Jesus says that he only says what the Father tells him. Have you ever read that scripture? He says, I, I only say what the Father tells me to say. Have you ever tried that? That is super hard. I, I mean, join me. I'm doing it. I'm like, I only say what I think the Father is telling me to say. And I've caught myself, even in conversations, I'm like, uh, hang on. <laughs> I, I think I went off on my own. Sorry. And I just apologize right then. I'm sorry. I don't know. How'd that come out? I don't know how I said that. I don't, I'm sorry. I apologize to my kids literally all day. Oh, I'm sorry I said that that way. Why did I say that? I was really angry inside, but it wasn't you. And then, well, maybe part of it was you, but then I just shouldn't have talked that way. It was rude. You know, here's, here's something that I've learned about myself, and I learned this by wonderful people saying, this is what it feels like to be on the other side of you. This is what it feels like. I learned... You know, I was, I was raised in a, like a, 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 a really rude environment. I don't know if you guys were, but we, our, our family growing up, but we were just rude. And I didn't know it was rude. I thought it was normal. Don't you think it's normal? I mean, I think that even when people are abused, they think that it's normal at first because you didn't know that other people didn't. And I didn't know that it was rude. I just thought, that's the way people talk to each other. Shut up. You know, I mean, like, that's normal. Um, and then, of course, we were like incredibly selfish, a lot of pride, 
really is a lot of pride in the South. Shh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> but it was a very prideful, um, arrogant, rude environment. And coming out of that, you know, then I met Jay, we got married, and um, his, his, his family does not yell. I mean, we were also yellers. Not on top of the rude, now let's yell, because that's normal, because people do that, right? And then Jay's family, no one yells ever, right? So then we get married, you know, we get married, we get together, and I start yelling, and he's like, oh, we're going to get divorced. <laughs> you know, I've never heard anybody yell. Um, I'm like, shut up, you know. <laughs> get over it, you know. Oh, dear me. So, you know, that's my first clue in. And I'm like, wow, okay, wow, well, maybe it's me. I think there's something wrong with me. You know, there, I think it's me, but no, it's not, Tim, you know. You know, bliss. And um, so I, you know, progressed through that. We're married for a couple of years, so thank God we didn't, we didn't tank. I don't know how we didn't, but we didn't tank, and then we became Christians. So we were only, we were only like a couple of years married, you know, two or three years married, and then we became Christians. And then, you know, good grief. I was, I mean, we were so young. We got married so young, and we, you know, it was a step up when I figured out I wasn't supposed to yell at him. You know, like, oh, I thought I'm doing good. And then it was like, then I heard the word, like, you know, trust him, submission, respect. I'm like, what? (laughs) I don't understand what they're talking about, but whatever. Anyway, long journey, long journey, long journey, long journey, right? Um, But, you know, I think what's happened, and I actually have, you know, learned so much. Obviously, we all learn so much, and you, you become better. You become better. But I think what um, I've realized is that I have this, like, it's almost like a leftover accent of rudeness. It, and, uh, you know, like people have a southern drawl, but I have a rude accent and an arrogant manner. But the, the ironic thing is that I sound like that even if I'm not really married to my own idea. Like, I, I, honestly, I, I can be like, oh, I don't, actually, I just said that really strong. I've found myself saying this, like, actually, I said that really strongly. I don't really feel that way. <laughs> I just said it really strongly because I, I speak comparatively for some reason. I speak very strongly. And then I, I go back and I go, I, I, actually, don't, that's, I, I don't feel that strongly about that. And I realized that, you know, because I I state my opinion as fact, but I thought everybody did that. Do you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, oh, well, I don't. Actually, wait, let me get really clear. Actually, no, no. Let's wait and I'll save that for when I really care about something. And so it's helped me to go, amen. I hate that about myself. I hate that part of myself. And after 30 years, I get to change that? And there's people that still, like, are nice to me? That's unbelievable. That's the kingdom. That's the kingdom of God. And I think that that's what this time of year can do for you, is you can go, yeah, I failed 565 times, and, but I'm going to go 566. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I understand being old and still being the same. I understand strongholds. 
I understand. But the only thing you can do wrong is give up. That's it. And I think that we just tend to give up before God can really change us. So anyway, I hope that some of this helps you. I want to say, um, if you want to join in on the 70 days, it actually starts October 23rd. That's crazy. Um, but, you know, join in. We're gonna, I, I will say uh, it's going to be exciting. I have um, been outlining and really studying First Peter. I've been memorizing it, studying it. I feel like it's, it's going to be phenomenal. We're going to go through First Peter from now until the end of the year. Or, and maybe get, get more than that. But this is a time for you. You can decide what do you think God is calling you into. It's always deeper water. Always. Always deeper. You've never been where you are right now. You've never been. You're not the same. You don't have the same circumstances in your life. Something is changing. And what does God want to do with you now? So I hope that helps you to put your eyes back up on Jesus and be at rest. Let's go to our groups.